0: If you've got a Bible, you can open it to John chapter 5. John 5, we'll be looking at verses 21 through 29 together this morning. We are about halfway through a series that Pastor Jamie has been leading us through called Restore My Soul. And uh, every week, we've been looking at this fall a different reality about what's true of us in the gospel to help us live out of what is good and beautiful and true of us if we're in Christ. And so we've looked at the truths that in Christ you are desired. You are loved. You are made for God. Last week we looked at the truth that you are forgiven. And today we're going to look at the truth that in Christ... You have been made alive. That Christianity actually isn't about living for someday way far off in the future, but actually living a fully present, fully alive life right now. So follow as I read John 5, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son so that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. For very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, So he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. So do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done what is good will rise and live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So one of, the, uh, one of the things that I've learned as a parent is that toddlers are essentially adults with no filter. So all of the things that I think in my head that I've learned are things that a mature adult is not socially acceptable to say out loud. Those are the things that my kids say all the time. And one of their favorite things to say at the moment is now. Now. If they want a cup of milk, they don't want it in five minutes. They don't want it in two minutes. They want it by the time they're done asking the sentence. And I say they're adults without filters because if I'm being honest, that's what I want too. And we live in an in a instant society. And it's not even a generational thing anymore. We, we all live in it. We, we all want things now. As a staff, church staff, we all have a book budget, and so one of the things that I do to stretch my book budget is I buy all of them used, cheapest one I can find on Amazon. And the thing about buying a used book is you are not getting that prime shipping. Don't even think about seeing that thing in two days. No, instead, I'll get on, I'll look at the tracking, and it will say something like 12 days. And I'm like, 12 days? Are you delivering it to me on horseback? are you making a cross-country journey? Did you get held up fording a river and repairing a wagon axle? 12 days! So I just canceled the order. I'm like, I can't wait that long. We live in an instant society. And, And a lot of people have talked about all the ways that that's harmful. I want to give one way that I think it's helpful. We live in a society where we want life now we want a full life today we wake up every day wanting to live a life where we are fully present fully alive now and is that wrong is it wrong to want life now If Jesus Christ said, I came to bring life and to bring it abundantly, is it to say, okay, I want that today? No. But how do we get it? How can we live fully present, fully alive today? That's what we're going to look at in this passage. And and we're going to look at three different ways I think this passage shows us that we can try to find uh, life. We can try to find life in the now, we can try to find life beyond the now, or we can try to find a sense of life for the now. So, first, let's look at how we can try to find life in the now. Uh, we, We all have this intuition. Uh, as modern people, we all have this intuition that it, it is out there somewhere. That somewhere in the, in the here and now, somewhere in, in what is right in front of us, is a sense of life. A sense of being fully present, of being fully alive, and it's just waiting for us to discover it. You know, Tim Keller says that this, this intuition that we all have as modern people, to find life in the now, it kind of drives out four different reactions in us. So first he says we, we start off young, ambitious, thinking if I can just get the right spouse, the right career, the right income level, the right family, live in the right neighborhood, then I'll, then I'll have it. Then I'll be living a full life. And as time goes on, and we still haven't found that sense of life, that sense of life that that lasts longer, that reaches deeper into us, for some of us, we become more driven. We think, well, the problem is, I just need a better job. I need a more attractive spouse. I need a bigger house. I need a new family. Then I'll be living a full life. Then I'll have it. But for others of us, we don't get driven, we get resentful. We think, I, I would have found it. I would have discovered that life that I've always wanted, except for all these mitigating circumstances in my life. We start to blame other people, start to blame other things. We start to say, I, I would be living a full life if it wasn't for fill in the blank." Or lastly, for some of us, that gnawing that sense of dissatisfaction, that a full life, the one that we've always wanted, is, is just out of our grasp. It doesn't make us driven or resentful, but, but self-condemning. Start to think, you know what? I don't think the problem's other people. I think the problem is me. There's something wrong with me. That's why I haven't found it. Now, again, is it, is it wrong to want life? No. The problem is where we're looking. We're, we're following the advice of that great philosopher, Al Pacino, <laughs> who, who in the movie Any Given Sunday says, this is what living is. It's the six inches right in front of your face. We're trying to find life in the here and now and it will never work. C.S. Lewis once wrote it this way. He said, there are all sorts of things in this life or in this world that offer to give life to you, but they never keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, our longings of which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm not speaking of what ordinarily would be called unsuccessful marriages or trips and so on. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There's always something we grasped at in that first moment of longing that just fades away into the reality. The spouse may be good, The scenery's been excellent. It's turned out to be a great job, but it has still evaded us. Enter Jesus Christ, who says in verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. See, here's what makes Jesus Christ absolutely unique. Jesus is saying he is it. He is life to the full. Life that Jesus actually, he doesn't even fully explain in this passage, but he says in verse 20, whatever it is, you will not be bored by it. He is saying that sense of being fully a present, fully alive that we're all grasping for, he is it. Meaning he's the only place where you will find life. Not in the here and now, not in a spouse or a career or an income bracket, but in Jesus. In fact, he takes it one step further. Jesus is saying in this passage that unless you're finding life in him, your life is actually a living death. That unless you're finding life in Jesus, he's saying it's not just that you're not experiencing life for all that it could be. No, he's saying you're not really living at all. In other words, he's saying your problem isn't that you're, you're in the ICU. You're in the morgue. Now, does that mean that there, can be, that there can be no sense of joy, no sense of happiness found in anything in this life whatsoever? No, that'd be ridiculous. But remember what C.S. Lewis said? The spouse may be a good spouse. The scenery has been excellent. It's turned out to be a great job. But it has still evaded us. And Jesus is saying, that's because it is me. As long as you're looking for life in the now, in the six inches in front of your face, it will will always evade you unless you come to Jesus, who says in verse 21 that he not only has life, he has come to give it away free of charge. Jesus has come with what we all want, what we're craving for, and and he's not stingy with it. He's not withholding. He is indiscriminately generous with it. He says, I have life, and I have come to give it to whomever I will. Now, every other religion, every other worldview says you can have life if you will, it's up to you. You have to perform. You have to achieve. You have to earn this sense of a full life. With Jesus, it's the complete opposite. He's saying you can have life if I give it to you. Meaning you don't have to jump through hoops to get it. You don't have to meet certain spiritual performance marks for it to be yours. You just need to need it. And if you do, you can have it because Jesus' heart of grace is dammed up waiting to flood his divine life into yours. So we try to find life in the now. But second, we can try to find life also beyond the now. So if if the intuition of our modern age is to try to find life just in that that six inches in front of our face, just the here and now, the religious intuition is try to find life beyond the now. Here's what a lot of us have been told, this is what Christianity is. Don't get too attached to this life. You're just a traveler walking through it. This world is not our home. What matters is beyond this life. What matters is the next life. Your job here, this life, is kind of just like sitting at a bus stop waiting to finally get to heaven. That's all that really matters. But is that what Jesus is saying here? That he's come to give life to you, but that, it, that it's put on layaway, that you can enjoy it someday way off in the future. Now, Jesus says in verse 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Now, let's just pull out one word there, eternal life. When you hear that, I'm sure a whole bunch of things pop up in your head. You think about living forever, you think about heaven, you think about kind of floating clouds and us all being up there together. Well, in the book of John, eternal life isn't actually so much talking about a quantity of life, but a quality of it. It is life that will go on forever, but it's a type of life that goes on forever, a type of life that won't even register on any quality of living index we could ever devise. A quality of life that is, that is so beyond our daily experience that Jesus says here, anything less than that is like a living death. A quality of life you could describe in one word, resurrection. You see, you could look at it this way. The opposite of the life that Jesus has come to bring. Verse 24 says, is condemnation, is is separation from God, is being trapped in our sins and and unable to get out from under them. And Jesus is saying here then, he has come to bring the liberating opposite of that. A condemnation-free life. A life where the looming anticipation of facing the judgment seat of God, has now been turned into the joyful expectation of collapsing into the arms of your heavenly Father who knows the worst parts about you and yet in Christ cannot wait to embrace you for all eternity a life where the guilt and shame of your sin has been erased from your file so that there is now not a single damning word the law or your conscience can say about you. Because on the cross, Jesus came to do the opposite of verse 24. Sent by the Father who loves us, he came to suffer our death, to endure our judgment, to bear your condemnation and to be resurrected on your behalf, to offer his vindicated, the law cannot touch me life to So, do we have to wait to get that? Verse 25. A time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus takes someday. He makes it today. Jesus is saying the resurrection life that I've come to bring, the thing that we all want, even if we don't know it, the thing that the Bible said was always waiting for us, at the end, Jesus unleashes into today. That life, in other words, isn't found looking beyond this life. It's not just about getting into heaven. No, the gospel is about getting heaven into you It's about getting his resurrection life into yours. It's about being spiritually risen today. It's about becoming one with Jesus in his free from judgment life because on the cross he died with our sin on him. And in his resurrection, he rose with life in him. But when we live with this religious intuition, that life is found beyond this life, that I'm just here on earth to wait for heaven. We cut ourselves off from the risen life of Jesus in us. We cut ourselves off from the eternal life that he's come to bring now, from his resurrection power that he loves into us today. And instead, we sign ourselves up for a life of of managing our sin by our own willpower. A life of trying and failing to shape up and do better. A life of living as a forgiven dead person. Unable to be fully present, to be fully alive because the resurrection life Jesus has come to offer isn't yet coursing through our daily experience. So we've looked at trying to find the life in the now and beyond the now. Lastly, let's look at trying to find life for the now. Um, About 10 years ago, the show The Sopranos aired its last episode. Now, uh, this was before Netflix, this was before Apple TV, when a whole season would come out all at once and you could watch the whole thing in one day. No, for eight years... One week at a time, people followed the story of The Sopranos. And it was finally all coming to an end. And in the last scene of the last episode ever to air, uh, the mobster Tony Soprano, who's the main character, he's sitting in a diner with his family. And a a strange man walks in the door, sits down on a table, turns around, he looks at The Sopranos, The door suddenly opens. Tony looks up, and the screen goes black. And the 12 million people watching it lost their minds. Who is that man? What happened to Tony? What happened to his family? Are they all dead? We don't know. It literally almost broke the internet with speculation. People were going crazy. To this day, you can find all sorts of just crazy stories about what happened to them. Why? Because we can't rest until we know the end of a story. That's why we have to listen to that next episode on the murder podcast. How's it going to end? Well, it's true of a TV show. It's even more true of our lives. We can't rest until we know what the end of our story will be. And that's what Jesus shows us to close. See, if the modern intuition is to try to find life in the now and the religious intuition is to try to find life beyond the now, Jesus offers a third way, something completely different. One where his resurrection gives us life for the now. So Jesus, he's just explained how the the eternal life the resurrection life He's come to bring isn't waiting for us someday off in the future, but it's it's available to us today. That the moment we become a Christian, the moment God's grace becomes beautiful to us, there is a spiritual resurrection to new life that happens within us. And in verse 28, Jesus says, Don't be amazed. As good as all of this sounds, don't stop here. Don't be satisfied just with this. I have so much more to give you. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear my voice and come out. Those who've done what is good, which in John's gospel means to believe in Jesus, will rise to live. And those who've done what is evil, which means to not believe in Jesus... Will rise to be condemned. Now this can sound a little confusing. It sounds like what he just said. In verse 25, Jesus says, "A time is coming and is now here. when the dead will hear my voice and rise to life." And here he says, "A time is coming, but is not here. When the dead will hear my voice and come to life." In other words, in verse 25, Jesus was talking about the spiritual resurrection, the inner life he's come to bring, but that was all merely a sip out of the overflowing cup of life from the physical, complete resurrection that he is saying in verse 28, he has come to bring for us as well. If you are in Christ, here is the worst case scenario for your future. You will be resurrected into something so stunning that C.S. Lewis says, if you could see it right now, you'd be tempted to worship yourself. To spend all of eternity with Jesus, who the Puritan Richard Sibbs calls the heaven of heaven to spend all eternity there, whereas Jonathan Edwards says, you shall have Christ, as it were, unbosomed unto you. You shall eat and drink abundantly and swim in an ocean of love and be eternally swallowed up in the infinitely bright and infinitely sweet beams of divine love. That's as bad as it's going to get. If you are in Christ, no matter how your life is going right now, no matter how great it is, no matter how terrible it is, you are living your worst life now. I'm going to make a book about the resurrection. It's going to be called that. Here's the gospel, your worst life now. Because it will only get better from here all of your sorrows, all of your pain, all of your challenges, they have an expiration date. God's grace to you in Jesus doesn't. Notice the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2, 7, the whole point of God resurrecting you to new life in the new heavens and new earth is so he can show his grace in kindness to you. And you know what that does? when you know where your story's going, when you know where it's going and it's only up from here, it gives you life for the now. It frees you to be fully present and fully alive, whatever you're facing today, whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you brought in here suffering this morning. Because you know my judgment day has gone from future to past and paid forever in Jesus Christ. My future is permanent joy in the love of God that my sin and suffering in this life will only magnify even more. So I am not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm content, present, and fully invested in this life because I've been given a taste of what is to come. If you're in Christ, you are living your worst life now. Great news. It's only going to get better from here. And if you're not in Christ, Jesus is saying, you're living your best life now. It will only get worse from here. The living death of trying to find life in the six inches in front of your face in the here and now, will only lead to an eternal death of grief and alienation and condemnation forever. So why not find what you've always been looking for? Why not find that sense of life for the now, one that can endure whatever you're experiencing today, that will only get better with time, Jesus is swelled with love this morning, ready to give it to you. Take it. Let's pray. Father, you have created us to want life. We are not wrong to want it. It is not weird to want a full life right now. It is not holy and pious to just shrug our shoulders at this life. And say, Oh, I don't care. It's just about getting into heaven. No, your son Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. Life that will be amazing in the resurrection, but life that starts right now with Christ in us. Spirit, make us alive to that life, the resurrection life of Jesus coursing through us and make us fully alive and fully present in the here and now with the people and the places that you have called us to. Amen.